Good evening. Welcome to New Hope Church. Ushers, please prepare for the tithes and offering. Now, last week we had Nick Boychich here for six nights, and it was amazing to hear his testimony, his love for God and love for people. And one of the things that really stuck out for me when he shared, he talked about faith. And his, he said, faith is taking that next step when you don't know what to expect and putting your trust in God. You know, it reminded me of when I first said yes to Jesus. When I said yes, I, was, I took that first step. And what I learned was after that first step of saying yes, that there would be many other steps of saying yes to Jesus. I learned as I was learning to read the Bible, there was a lot that, you know, I didn't understand. I was, the Bible would say one way and how to live for God and I would look at my life and my life would be a different way. But what I learned was that when it wasn't something that I didn't understand, that I would trust in what the Word says, that I would trust in what God is saying. And I would let go of the old way and then take that step, even though if it didn't make sense and put my trust in what He says. And when we give our tithes and offering, we're again saying yes to Jesus. And where we would put our trust in our finances for ourselves rather than that what we want to do is put our trust in the Lord and what he will do for it to further his kingdom to reach people that are far people that he so loves if you're visiting for the first time we want to welcome you to to we welcome you here and please don't feel obligated to give if you're visiting from another church uh, please continue to tithe and offer at your church we welcome you here for those that are, this is our home church. Um, let's prepare our hearts and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your love, your unconditional love. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us about faith, Lord. That things might not make sense. We might not understand what you're teaching us. But, Lord, give us the strength, the courage to just surrender and put our trust in you. Lord, as we give of our tithes and offerings, may that further your kingdom. And may your love be made known throughout the world. Lord, we just love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chad. <laughs> Chad does such a great job with all the different ministries, young adults. He also serves in the well. And he serves every other place, he too. He also has projects and all of that. Yeah. Well, we are in our series, and we're talking about equipping the saints, which you are the saints, the church. Pastor Marsha is going to speak tonight. Right. On Better Together. Being, yeah, Better, better together. together. I know we have some stories about being better together, we you do. know, when we people do. grow up. Yeah, so we'll share that. And we just went through a week, if uh, some of you were here with Nick Vujicic, and what an incredible week. And if you're here, you know what I'm saying. You were here all six nights too. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. There were stories. I mean, like, you incredible stories. It would touch your, your heart. You should write a book. Yeah, so we, there was no possible way we could have done that uh, with Nick Vujicic without you, the volunteers, because... It's better together, so I just want to say thank you, and uh, we can thank all the volunteers as well as the staff, so thank you for volunteering and, and inviting people. Right. You guys invited a lot of people, and so we're following up, and uh, some of you might have gotten some emails. We're still trying to get better at that and yeah. how we're going to connect because there are some things that this is our first time doing it this way. Uh, but we're going to get better at and it. And some of you guys write as badly as I do. Yeah. So <laughs> some handwriting is like, oh. <laughs> but some might have been in Japanese or something. Did. And we thought it was different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't yeah. go well. Okay. okay. So we're going to be talking about better together. But we wanted to do a quick exercise. Right. So what I, I actually wanted to try something. Um, because we are going to uh, be transitioning our small groups later next year. And so I want to give you a taste of what that's like. So what I'm going to ask you to do is not move too far, but get into groups of about two or three. Um, and if you see somebody who's sitting alone, don't leave them alone. Please call them into your group, okay? Okay. And then we're actually going to tell some stories. So it might be a little uncomfortable tonight, but here, here's what it is. Here's, here's, the, here's the good thing about being uncomfortable. Right. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Unless we're uncomfortable, the comforter don't come. <laughs> That's the only time the comforter will come. Right. Is if you're uncomfortable. You don't need a pillow if you have a pillow. You need a pillow because you don't have a pillow. So the comforter will come when you don't have comfort. So tonight, 
because this is our midweek service, and most right. of us are believers. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're not a believer. That won't go well either. <laughs> but most of us are believers, and, and the heart behind it is to, to give a little, like a little taste right. of what it's going to be like right. next well, year. Yeah. Right, right, right. Something so, like that. So if you, if you're, and, and the most is four. Oh, right. But no, no bigger than four because, you know, we do have a message that we have to give. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to give you a time limit. So we're going to do a little yeah. test to kind of see how it is and how it goes. Right. And I know there may be some people in your group you may not know. That's okay. This is not, a, not, not like you have to, uh, you know, let us know what's going on in your group. Right. It's just a little uh, idea of what's going to take place next year. Right. Uh, as well as to kind of show... How it can be How done. How it can be better where together. Did, where did Chad go? We need Chad up here real quick. Yeah. Oh, did he have to go back? Maybe he had to go maybe, back. Maybe, maybe he did have to. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it can just be us. So okay. what we're going to yeah. do is a little sample right. of what it looks like in a small group setting. Because some people have fears about small groups. They think that it's going, going to be, uh, you know, difficult. But right. it's not that difficult. You know, it's like, really easy. Yeah, golfers S do small groups. They do. You can do small groups as a if golf If I do a golf small golf group, team, yeah, right? nobody will want me to do a small group with them. <laughs> They'll be out there till Jesus basketball. comes. Oh, there's, there's Chad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right, so, so we're going to do a small group. We're just going to do a quick small group, just a, a quick, just, a, just to give you an example right. of what's going to take place. Right, so then we're going to ask you to do it. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. Within your group, because we're talking about being better together, I'm going to ask you within your group to share just a really short story of a time you did something and about midway through, you kind of discovered this would be better with somebody else. Okay. So I can give you an example. So many years ago, pa uh, somebody told me I should see this movie. And it was called the um, something of Emily Rose. It was a spooky movie. It was a spooky movie. And I said, I, I don't know. That, that's your problem already. Yeah, it was. And I said, no, I cannot movie. do that kind of movies because it gets into my head. <laughs> and then once it gets into my head, this is not good. <laughs> so that person lied to me. <laughs> And said, oh, no, 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 it's a courtroom drama. <laughs> so I went to the movie. <laughs> and that courtroom drama got into my head. So a couple of days later, I have a meeting in the prayer room. And we came out. It was dark. And it was not a worship practice night. So there's nobody in here. And I have to lock up. <clears throat> so I'm going around. And I'm locking. And the movie's in my head. And I'm quoting Psalm 23. The Lord's, I'm quoting <laughs> scripture as I walk quickly through here to lock all the doors and we okay old timers will know this we used to have these banners that hung and so I'm walking quickly and the banner goes because you're walking quickly because I'm walking quickly so I booked it out of there <laughs> and I grabbed one of our youth a teenager and come walk with me and that's why better together <laughs> so we locked up the, I grabbed a youth to protect me they're adults now they are adults now they may be sitting here so I'm sorry <laughs> you didn't know why I grabbed you that's why it's like in case the, the person comes out you throw right. them the youth throw them to the sacrifice <laughs> I see I see that's I see it. so that's my better together that's story. why we have waivers now yeah we do in case we have to sacrifice the youth and so nobody will follow wow. me now when I say come with me okay. <laughs> nope <laughs> so that's better together that's my Not better, better together. for the youth <laughs> Better for me. Okay. <laughs> so it may not be that elaborate. My story is very simple. We built tree houses. I couldn't put the two by fours and the four by eights up the tree by myself because I was 10. So I had to ask my cousins to help me. We did it and we built the tree house and it was so much better together. Chad, any better together stories? <laughs> He's like, uh, you yeah. Uh, well, for me, I just I learned a lot of ministry actually and that, you know, you don't want to do things by yourself. And you want to always include people because it's fun when you're doing it together. And the more people you have, the lot more you can get done. And it just, um, I think what I love most is just being with people. Awesome. Guy awesome. got spiritual on us. That's awesome. That's good. Whatever story <laughs> he, he thank had you, Chad, you can, you can be dismissed now because you're the holy yeah. one of this group right here. Right. He, he had to clean up my story. <laughs> you're, you're the horror movie. I'm the one. What oh, did I, I didn't say yeah. was we stole the wood, yeah? Did I say that? Oh, well, maybe I didn't. Need to say that. That's no, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was from a relative, so, so it wasn't really stealing. Right. <laughs> okay. It, it was. It was. So no, right. you're gonna, you're gonna. We just wanted to give you a flavor of just, just in your group. I don't know okay. how you're gonna do this though. Maybe turn around and yeah. just. Okay. So, you guys ready? Do we you have? You got it. If, if there's Do we two have a clock? We have clock okay. timer. We're gonna put a timer up so you know how much time you have. If you see someone by themselves, say, "Hey, join our group." That's that's a part of it. Okay. okay? Ready? We got three minutes to do this. Go. Ready? Go. And I'll let you know once you change. We'll give you like 25 seconds each person to share. 
Better together now. The story is better together, not spooky movies or <laughs> illegal things. Right, no stealing. And if you're watching online, same thing. Right. You can share in your, if you're with a group of people, right. with your family. Yeah. Oh, if they're watching online, can they put it underneath? Can they? Oh. Okay, we'll get them. So it's better together. Right. What, what have you done, if you're at home or wherever you are watching, what have you done that it was better together? Right. That you were with somebody and, and you felt, oh boy, this is a whole lot better because we're doing this together. Whether it's, maybe you worked on a home or remodeling, or maybe you were working on a car, a vehicle, or a house project or something like that. So just think of, you know, what, what did you do better together? And or if you're watching just you and you don't have someone to talk with just think in your mind what what did i do that was better together okay what did i do that was better together we'll probably give you guys about 20 more seconds okay 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 oh i like okay you have a, a minute and a half so if one person is taking up all the time they're missing the point yeah. It's better together, not just oh. one Portuguese person sure. good by himself. It's together. What is it together? How are we doing this together? <laughs> and we live in Hawaii. We got stories. Everybody has stories. That's right. <laughs> okay. And hopefully they're all legal. Or at least righteous. Yeah, but hopefully you came to know Jesus and all things work together for good. Yeah. Okay. okay. You got 48 seconds. 48 seconds. Okay, we're down. Okay. Okay, you guys got 15 seconds. 15 to seconds, up. 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. 10. Okay, Nine. you're going to be counting down in your mind. So not bad, right? I mean, it's a simple, simple way of how you can get involved in a small group and do a right. discussion of, um, of a simple subject. So we call it Rooted in Growing. And with Rooted in Growing, we have different uh, small groups, whether it's right now media, a book people go through, or... A curriculum or they just meet as a small group and they do like the sermon application they'll take the sermon on Sunday or Wednesday night and then they'll go through it together but we wanted to encourage you to really think through how you can do things with other people involved right. there's some people that meet at a coffee shop and all they do is devotions and because of devotions they're growing in their walk with the Lord so think of what you can be right. a part of and how you can how you can grow in your relationship through one of those ways, okay? Right. So, Pastor Marsha, you're going to speak to us about... I am going to speak about being better together. Oh, yeah, let's okay. welcome Pastor Marsha. Thank you, guys. And Okay, I can hear you guys laughing, so I know that there were some really good, good stories that were going on. In fact, I really honestly believe that we do better when we partner together. And I'm not the only one. King Solomon, who is considered by some to be the wisest man whoever lived, actually said this. He said, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm all alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, according to Solomon, life and ministry are much better in relationship. And recent studies show that he's right. There's actually a connection between our relationships and our physical health. People with good relationships tend to heal faster from injury. They have less stress and they have lower blood pressure. 
researchers at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill revealed that, now listen to this, adults are more at risk for developing high blood pressure from social isolation than they are from having diabetes. You're more at risk for high blood pressure from being isolated than you are from having diabetes. Now, science is only proving what God has been saying all along. It is not good for us to exist alone or without relationships. Now, as God already said, it's not good for man to be alone. We're created for relationship. And at the very beginning of time, when God created the world, he would, he would create, he would look at it, he would say, good, and then he would rest. He created light, and he said, good, and then he rested. He did the same thing when he created the sky, the land, the sea, the plants, the moon, the stars, the birds, the fish, and the animals. After each of those were created, after each day, God looked at it, and he said, good, and then he rested. And then he made man. And for the only time, in all of creation, God said, not good. In the Bible, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from, the tree in the garden, from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will die. And then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. See, God saw that man was alone, and he declared it not good. So he created a partner for him, someone for him to share his life with. Now, what's really interesting to me is that the very first time that we hear God say, not good, was before sin even entered the world. Adam and Eve hadn't even taken that fruit yet and eaten it. Everything was just the way God had created it. It was fresh. It was in order. It was new. It was just the way God designed it. Adam still existed in the perfection in which God created him. He still walked with God in the cool of the evening. There was no sin there was no disobedience. Nothing was separating Adam from God. He was known and he was loved to his core by the God who loved him and created him and breathed life into him. He experienced an intimacy with God that no one has known since the fall. And with all that going on, something wasn't right with God. And God said, not good. In his book, Everyone's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, John Ortberg wrote, From God's perspective, living life alone is not good. It's not good because it's not how he created us to live. Alone and isolated, we're never to be used to describe his children. It's not good because we were created with a deep need for rich and meaningful connection with other people. Without it, we don't reflect the image of the one who created us, and without it, bad things happen, like lost perspective, fear of intimacy, selfishness, and poor health. Henry Cloud said it well. God created us with a hunger for relationship, for relationship with him, and for relationship with, uh, with our fellow people. At our very core, we are relational beings. The soul cannot prosper without being connected to people. See, from the very beginning, relationship was part of our DNA. God created us for relationship with him and with others. That's why he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. That's why he created Eve when he saw a Adam was alone, because alone is not good. And we're never more like God created us to be than we're, when we're in relationship. So if it's true, that we do better when we partner with others, then we have to work at cultivating healthy relationships. And I believe that each of us can have healthy relationships that honor how we are created if we will apply three truths and ask three questions. 
So the first truth is, and if you're writing this down, you can write down, love God, love people. Now Jesus was once asked, what's the most important commandment? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, when Jesus was walking the earth, there were laws that the Jews followed that helped to decide and define how they obeyed the Ten Commandments. The Jews had laws upon laws that would break down and define what um, constituted following the Ten Commandments. The laws were in place to answer questions like, okay, if I can't commit murder, then what's murder? Is it murder to kill someone in battle? If I'm to honor the Sabbath, then what constitutes work and breaking the Sabbath? If I feed my animal on the Sabbath, have I broken the Sabbath? These and many other laws worked out the finer details to define and protect the Ten Commandments. And they were worked out in and through those laws. But then Jesus stepped in and he redefined everything. Because the Jews had like about 600 laws to define following the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus comes in and goes, you only need to know two. You only need two principles. Love God, love people. And when Jesus told the religious leaders that all the law and all the prophets hung on loving God and loving your neighbor, he basically broke the Ten Commandments down to two simple things. The first principle was take care of your relationship with God. The first four commandments, no other gods, no idols, no using God's name recklessly and remembering the Sabbath comes down to how we express our love for God. And if you think about it, isn't that how we treat our relationships with our spouses? I want a good relationship with my husband. So guess what? One husband. I don't have any other husbands hanging around. I don't have a poster of The Rock or Bon Jovi or any other man on the wall in my room or on my Facebook page. I don't throw Tom's name around as a swear word or derogatorily, and I make sure that I have date nights with him. Those are the type of things that the first four commandments were saying that we need to do to honor our relationship with God. Just keep him holy in number one. The second principle Jesus gave the religious leaders was take care of your relationship with other people. Honor your parents. Don't kill. kill. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't steal. Don't lie or gossip about your neighbor and don't envy his stuff. Now, if the Jews followed these remaining six commandments, their relationship with each other would be healthy. And it would set them apart from the nations that surrounded them. And then Jesus shows up and says, you don't need a whole lot of extra laws to define this. Just love God and love people. And if these two principles were the basis for every decision and every action, then the Jews would have a very healthy culture, they would have healthy relationships, and they would have a healthy society. And guess what? The very same thing is true for us. If we would simply love God and love people, they would want to know us. People would follow Jesus, not because we're good, not because I have all these laws, all these rules that I live by, and now, oh, here, you got to live by these rules too. They would follow Jesus because his people, the church, love God and love people. See, they're not going to notice that I know all my scriptures. They're not going to notice that I behave. They're not going to notice how good I am, but they will notice how I love. Now, just before his crucifixion, Jesus ate one final and important meal with his disciples. 
Now, not only would this be his final meal with them, but this was the Passover Seder. And this meal was already important to the Jewish people because this meal celebrated and commemorated their deliverance from Egypt. And during this very last Passover Seder, Jesus shared principles and truths to prepare them for the ministry that they would have after he went to be with his father. And as he shared his final meal, he reset their direction and their focus. And he told them, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. According to Jesus, it's our love for others that draws people to him. And if it's visible, people will recognize that we're his. Did you know that the eyes of the world are watching and that the credibility of the message and the mission of Jesus rests on us, his followers? Because if we can't love God and we can't love people, then what is this all about? Now, like you just heard, we had Nick Viochik here for six nights. We streamed him for three nights, and then he was here live for three nights. And I had the pleasure of watching people come up these aisles and give their life to Jesus. And I can guarantee you that not one of them came up here because Nick Viochik quoted a bunch of scriptures. Nor did they come up here because he told them what a good boy he was. They came up here because he told his story. He told about the love of Jesus. He told how that love of Jesus fulfilled him and compels him to minister to those who need help. He came up here, and when you watched him, you felt his love. And it was because of that love that people responded to the gospel message and they came up and they gave their life to Jesus. People responded to Nick's love for God and his love for people. And they will do the same thing for us. They will respond to our love for God and for them. People will find hope and they'll know God when we are truly able to love them. So here's your question. When you're in a situation and you want to respond, before you do, just stop for a minute. Just pause and ask yourself this question. How does what I'm about to do or say express or show love either to God or to someone else? How is the next thing that I'm going to say or do going to express love to God or to someone else. Because it's how we love God and how we love others that will begin to lay a foundation for us to serve and be better together. Now, even as they're watching how we love people, you know people in the world are also watching? They want to know how authentic we are. See, in cultivating healthy relationships, we need to love God, love others, but we also need to take risks. And if you're writing this down, you're taking risks to know and be known. To know and be known. Another book. Jan Hatmaker wrote in For the Love. People crave what they have always craved. To be known and loved. To belong somewhere. Community is such a basic human need. It helps us weather virtually every storm. And if Jesus' basic marching orders were to love God and to love people, then the fruit of that obedience includes being loved by God and loved by people. We give and get here. And according to Jesus, the love of God and people is the substance of life. See, from the very beginning of time, people have craved to be known. That's why Adam was lonely in the Garden of Eden. There was no one there to know him or for him to know. This desire to know or to be known is one of the reasons why so many people are dependent on social media. How else are you going to have 500, 600, 1,000 friends who know your every move and every opinion? Now, 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with social media. I have my own account. But technology cannot replace the face-to-face, eye-to-eye, person-to-person contact of knowing and asking how you are. Jesus himself had 12 men that he invested in. And they followed him every day. And as they followed them, he expected them to know him. So if you want, um, open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14. And what we're going to do, it's, John, it's at the Passover. And Jesus is uh, preparing his um, followers for what they're going to do when he returns to the Father. And he's talking to them. And he's casting this vision because he wants them to cast this vision and know what it is that they're going to be doing. So in John chapter 14, starting at verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. I mean, you can almost hear the exasperation in Jesus' voice. And he says, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? There's something about community, about spending time with others, where we expect, or at least hope, to be fully known and to fully know. Now, not only do we want to be known, we expect it. Because how many times have you thought or said, how could they think I would do something like that? Don't they know me better than that? How could they think that? Now, in my case, it's a little different. Because whenever people find keys, they're like, where's Pastor Marsha? We got her keys. Now, we laugh about it, but you know what? There's something nice about being known that way. There's something nice about people being able to know and recognize your character just like that. Now, how many of you, you get your email, and now and then you get this email from a friend that says, hey, I need your help. I need $500, or I'm stuck in Aruba, or whatever it is. You guys ever seen those? I think, do we have a picture? Okay, yeah, we had one. The other day, I came in, Pastor Pauline, and she's laughing. And she says, oh, I got your email. I said, you did? What email? Because I didn't send one. So she shows it to me. Now, the first thing we did is we laughed, because we're like, I don't even talk like that. I'm not that proper. I am not that proper. Regards? I Okay, the second thing is, if anybody knows me, I'm fairly independent. I don't need somebody to go buy me an iTunes gift card. I can go to the store myself, or I can go on the computer myself. Thirdly, I don't, I'm not going to send an email. If I'm, I'm going to ask you a favor, and anybody who knows me knows this. I'm going to send you a text. It's probably going to be sarcastic. It's going to be full of emojis. And if you ask Erica, they're probably the wrong emojis. So just by looking at that, you know off the bat, that's the kind of knowledge we want people to have of us. That immediately when something's just a little off, we can take that down. Thank you. Um, Just by a little knowledge. They can go, that's not even their character. They would never say that kind of thing. They would never do that kind of thing. We want to be known. And that knowledge, 
that desire is why we're actually transitioning with Rooted and Growing. We're still going to be doing the Right Now Media, and we'll still be doing those classes. But I want to do something called campfires. Now, Pastor Sheldon talked about campfires last year sometime. And remember, you know, when you go camping or you're at the beach and it's kind of cold, you light a fire to warm up and to roast marshmallows by. And then pretty soon the fire's going and then people gather around. And at the campfire, that's when you start telling stories, memories. You start laughing, right? And so that's what we want to do. We want to build those kind of things where you're meeting consistently with others, where you're telling stories, you're making memories, you're connecting with others. And then sometimes the campfire, it gets so many people around it that a couple of people will go off and start another campfire. But the heart behind that is to be in groups where we can know and we can be known. You know, a few weeks ago, we did the leadership practicum. And one of the things we did is we took the uh, people in the practicum on this tour. And we took them around to all the old places that New Hope used to meet before we had a building. And then when they came back, we actually had some of the forerunners who had been part of the very beginnings up here at the talk story. And they told stories, and they were laughing. And you could see that among these forerunners, there's still relationship. And so one of the people asked and said, um, how... How is it? What kept you guys going? You guys were having to tear things down and move things around and go here and go there. There's all this work. What kept you going? And they said, you know what? They're the small groups. We were in small groups, and we knew each other, and we connected. And that's what Jesus did when he was here on earth. He chose 12 men to follow him, to be with him, to be discipled by him. And in the three years that they were with him, they experienced his power, they experienced his miracles, his teachings, they experienced the way the Jewish leaders rejected him, they experienced him turning over the tables, the money changers' tables in the temple, and they experienced him weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. They saw it all. And after his last dinner with them, he became extremely vulnerable with them. And it was after he shared this final Passover meal with them. And he had washed their feet. He had instituted communion. And he even shared that one of them was going to betray him. And then he led 11 of them out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in one of his most vulnerable moments, he shared the barest, most exposed of his emotions. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now imagine that. Jesus, the Son of God. He knows he's going to the cross. And he knows he's going to accomplish for us salvation and he's going to accomplish for us right standing with God and he's going to accomplish the defeat of death and the defeat of the enemy and he still makes himself vulnerable and he says I'm overwhelmed now do you have any people in your life that you can open up like that to someone where you can say man it's just not working the way I thought it would. Can you think of a time that you allowed yourself to risk being that open and that vulnerable with someone? Now, I know, we all know it's uncomfortable. And I'm going to, I'll admit right here, even I, I get uncomfortable with it, I don't like it sometimes. But I believe that if Jesus, the Son of God, could be that vulnerable, there is no reason that we cannot risk it ourselves. Now, I know some of you are saying, hey, been there, done that, got burned, not happening again. I've been there. I've wanted to give up. I have to confess, I've even let some friendships go. But as I've matured in my faith, and as I've grown in my trust for God, I've learned that the only way to know or to be fully known is to take that risk. 
And so I needed to stop guarding. And I just needed to start being open with some people. Now, sometimes those relationships are going to hurt. You're going to be vulnerable. But you know what you do? You take it to God. And you grumble to him. And you ask why. Because I've done that. And he always comforts me. And in the comforting, he does something else. He always challenges me to continue trusting him and to continue moving forward. He'll say to me, you know what? Give me your heart. I'll comfort you. But now I want you to set your judgment aside. I want you to set your expectation aside. I want you to set your perspective aside. And I want you to trust me and trust what I'm trying to accomplish. Because often in those moments, God's building character in myself and in the other person. And what happens sometimes is we derail relationships because we want the solution and I want it now. But God's doing something bigger than healing our hurt. He's doing something bigger than solving the issue. He's building our character. And then when someone lets you down, before you respond, you stop. It's your second question you can ask. You ask God, what are you trying to accomplish in and through this? How can I partner with your spirit in what you're accomplishing? What are you accomplishing? Through this thing right now. And then, how do I partner with you in that? Because when God works in our lives, he's doing so much more than we can see. He's moving beyond here, and he's moving beyond now to his purpose and to his plans. And when we ask God what he's doing, he'll show us that you're, I'm going to move you right past you being right. And I'm going to move you right here to seeing the bigger picture. And if you're writing notes, you can write that as your final note. See the bigger picture. Now, as Jesus prepared his disciples for ministry, he turned to Peter during that last meal. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And then Simon defends himself. No, 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 no. No. I'm going to go all the way with you. I'll go to prison with you, Jesus. I'll even go to the death with you. But Jesus let him know that's not how it's going to work. In fact, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Well, later that evening, Peter found out it happened just the way Jesus said it would. Peter let fear overcome him, and he denied Jesus. And the third time he denied Jesus, the rooster crowed. And the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter was so heartbroken, he got up and he went out and he wept. But that's not where the story ended. Because Jesus rose from the grave. And there was a time when Peter and all his buddies had gone back to fishing. And they recognized that Peter, I mean that Jesus, was on the beach making breakfast. So Jesus invites them to have breakfast with him. And after this, Jesus takes Peter for a walk. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 21. So he takes Peter on this walk. And he has a conversation with him. And Peter is remembering, man, what is he going to say to me? I let him down. So in this conversation, he says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, Jesus didn't hold Peter to his failure or to his past. Instead, he directed him to his future. Knowing that Peter was called to be an integral part of carrying on his ministry, he shifted Peter's focus off of his failure and onto his calling and the future that God had for him. And instead of letting Peter linger where he was, he pointed him to God's bigger picture. So when you can only see right now, and you don't know what God is doing, just stop. And the third question, is you ask God for a favor. And you ask him to help shift your focus off of what's going on now and onto his bigger picture. Because God is accomplishing something, and if we're willing to look beyond here and now, then we're going to be able to partner with God and with others, and we're going to advance his kingdom. And it's going to take letting go of my perspective. I have to let go of how I view the motives of others. It's going to take moving past my judgment, move past what I know or how I think something needs to be done. And it's going to take looking to the future and looking at what God wants to accomplish. Because we do better when we partner together. But to do that, we're going to have to love God and his people. We're going to have to know and be known. And we're going to have to see the bigger picture. You can put away your notes. And I just want to close with this quote. There's a theologian. His name is Francis Schaeffer. And he said, Our relationship with each other is the criteria the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. So here's what I want. I want us to be a people that our relationships with God and with people are so good that when people look at us, they know there's something different. And they want to know what it is that sets us apart. And then we get to say, let me tell you about Jesus. And through our love, they'll know him. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so very much for loving us, for calling us, for inviting us into relationship, not just with you, but with others. And so, Lord, we want to ask at this time that you would help us to trust what you're doing, to look past what we think needs to be done, to see past our perspective and our judgments, and to see what you want done. And help us to be a people who are set apart, who are different, and who love. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Marsha. Thank you so much. You know, one thing she said that I, I really, uh, really took heart to is when she talked about the campfire. And we understand that because we, I'm sure many of us have been around a campfire. And when you're around a campfire, you can only fit so many people around there anyway. And so what happens is the people that want to be invo involved in the campfire, they can't get in because only four or five people can fit around that campfire. Or if you get a bigger one, then yes, you can, you know, get 10 or 12 people. But then they're going to be on the outskirts and then they're going to be cold. So what I normally would do is I know Pastor Marsha, I know Pastor Tom, I know many people and they're my friends. So we're okay. We're going to go to heaven one day, but there are people who have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to start another campfire. You guys are fine here. So I'm going to leave this group. Jesus calls them the 99. You're going to leave the 99 and you're going to go looking for that one lost sheep. And then you're going to start another campfire. And then as you all become friends, you have a relationship. You guys are fine. Yep, you guys got a good relationship. Okay, I'm going to start another campfire because there are others trying to get in. And so if we all did something like that and we all build campfires all over the place, then we light up the city of Hilo to where it's now bright and shining for the Lord, no longer filled with darkness. That's why Jesus calls us being the light of the world because we have his light. 
So we're the ones that can start these campfires. In whatever way you feel God is asking you, some people, they're able to sew. They can make clothing or they make pillowcases. There's this one person who, who makes blankets. There's another person who knows how to cook. And so they use their gifts to bring people together so that they can develop their relationship with God together. Because you're able to talk story, you get to share your story, and you get to pray for one another. I tell you, the Bible is, when it says two are better than one, what it means is that God is right in saying it is not good for man to be alone. This next season, which is our holiday season, is probably one of the most difficult seasons for many people because they feel alone. But if we were to have campfires, then people can jump in and get involved and, and be a part of a group that would love them enough to include them because they are on the outskirts, they're in the dark, and they're freezing. We need to bring them in or start a campfire with them so that they too can feel loved by God, to be known and to know as well as to be loved so that they can understand the love of God. And we, we have that ability. Let's see the bigger picture together. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He gave them the bigger picture. Took them three years to catch it, but they caught it. And look at what happened. We have campfires all over the world, and this is one of them. So I'm going to encourage you to pray. Pray and ask God what you get to do, however you can. Start with what you know of. Start with where you're already probably good at or what you're already doing. And then go from there. And then see what God does in that way. But ask the Lord. He will give you wisdom, and he will help you to do that. Would you bow your heads with me as we conclude? Lord, thank you for giving us the bigger picture. Thank you for helping us to see what you see. I pray for all of us that you would give us a clear picture of how we can start these campfires so that more people can feel connected to you and be loved by you. And the, the hope is that people will come to know you as Lord and Savior if they already don't. So that's our heart, Lord. And as we enter into this next season, May we build all of these different campfires so that we light up the darkness, so that no one feels alone during this next season. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all sit together. Amen. Amen.